Next bab. Bab. إِذَنْ فَلَتَتِ الدَّابَّةُ فِي الصَّلَاةِ إِذَا when in فَلَتَتْ It runs away. It escapes. What runs away? What escapes? الدَّابَّةُ An animal. فِي الصَّلَاةِ During prayer. Which animal is this? It's a person's animal. They ride. Like for example a camel or a horse or a donkey. So a person is praying. Their donkey is right there. And the donkey starts walking away. Hmm? Now what do you do? Or the camel starts walking away. The horse starts walking away. What do you do? Do you let the animal go? Or do you break your prayer? Or do you just move quickly, grab the reins, hmm? and then continue praying? What are you supposed to do in this situation? وَقَالَ قَتَادَةُ And Qatada said that in أُخِذَ ثَوْبُهُ If someone's thawb meaning clothes, are stolen, they are taken by someone, يَتْبَعُ sariqa. Then he should follow the thief. وَيَدْعُ الصَّلَاةِ And he should leave his prayer. Meaning if a person is praying, right, and while they were praying, before they started praying, they put their, let's say their extra shawl or something on the ground. okay, And they started praying, and somebody came and picked up that shawl and ran away. Picked up that sweater or that jacket, and ran off with it. So what do you do? You let them take your jacket away? If you let them take it away, how are you going to go outside in the cold? And how are you going to make it home? Hmm? So, can you chase them? Qatada said, yes, you have to follow the thief, you leave your prayer. Meaning you break your salah. Hmm? Let's look at the hadith. حدثنا آدم حدثنا شعبتو حدثنا الأزرق بن قيس قال كنا بالأهواز so Azraq bin Qais is saying that we were at Ahwaz. And Ahwaz is a city that is between Basra and, and Persia. So he said, we were at Ahwaz, Nuqatilul Haruriya. We were there in order to fight the Haruriya. Who are the Haruriya? Inshallah we'll talk about that. Fabaina ana ala jurufi nahrin. So while I was at the side or at the edge of a river, at the bank of a river, إِذَا رَجْلٌ يُصَلِّي I saw a person praying. I saw a man praying. وَإِذَا لِجَامُ دَابَّتِهِ بِيَدِهِ And the lijam, the reins of his animal were in his hand. So this man is praying salah and the reins of his animal are in his hand. Okay? فَجَعَلَتِ الدَّابَّةُ تُنَازِعُهُ so his animal began fighting him, meaning resisting him. You know, the animal started pulling away. And it happens. Some animals are very active. They don't like to stand in one place. So because the man was praying, holding the reins of the animal, the animal started resisting. Right? It started to move, started to pull away. So what happened? وَجَعَلَ يَتْبَعُهَا So the man began following the animal. Meaning, he's praying salah, okay? But at the same time, he loosened, you know, the space, he made more space for the animal. So as the animal pulled a little bit, moved on the side a little bit, the man also moved on the side a little bit. During his salah, he's following the animal, so that the animal does not run away, does not completely pull away. قَالَ شُعْبَةُ Shurba said, هُوَ أَبُوْ بَرْزَةَ الْأَسْلَمِيُّ 
this man was actually Abu Barza al-Aslami and who is he? A companion of the Prophet ﷺ. So he's praying like this. So what happened? فَجَعْلَ رَجُلٌ مِنَ الْخَوَارِجِ So a man from the Khawarij, from the group of the Khawarij, يَقُولُ He said, اللَّهُمَّ فَعَلْ بِهَذَا الشَّيْخِ That, oh Allah, do such and such to this old man. Meaning he started praying against Abu Barza radiallahu anhu. Why? Because he saw him moving like this in his salah. So this Khariji man got very upset and he started making dua against the companion. فَلَمَّنْ صَرَفَ الشَّيْخِ So when the shaykh, the old man, and this old man is referring to Abu Barza, the one who was praying, radiallahu anhu, when he ended the prayer, قَالَ he said, meaning he said to the Khariji man, that إِنِّي سَمِعْتُ قَوْلَكُمْ I heard what you were saying. Meaning I heard the dua you made against me. وَإِنِّي غَزَوْتُ مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ And I participated in battles with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in ست غزوات أو سبع غزوات وثمانين in six or seven or actually eight battles. I accompanied the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in so many battles. وشهدت تيسيره and I witnessed his تيسير. What does تيسير mean? To create yusr. To create ease for people. So I witnessed the ease that the Prophet ﷺ made for people. وَإِنِّي أَن كُنْتُ أَنْ أُرَاجِعَ مَعَ And if I were to return with my animal, meaning if I, if I go with my animal, that is أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ more beloved to me مِنْ أَنْ أَدَعَهَا then that I should leave my animal and tarji'u ila ma'lafiha and it goes to its stable, its place itself, fayashukka alayya and then it would be very difficult on me. Meaning the reason why I'm not letting go of this animal, it's trying to pull away, but the reason why I didn't let go of it is because I want to ride it back home. If I let it go, fine, it'll make its way. But then I will have to walk on my own. And that will be difficult for me. So this is the reason why I did not let the animal go. And I had to move in my prayer in order to make sure that I didn't lose the animal. So what's happening over here? Remember that we see here firstly that these people were here at this place. Why? To fight the Haruriya. Who are the Haruriya? Haruriya were a group of the Khawarij basically extremists, and they actually fought against Ali radiallahu anhu in a place called Haraura. Okay? In a place called Haraura, which is near Kufa. And from that, they got this name, Haruriya. Okay? So Haruriya were extremists. Basically, they had beliefs like if someone makes a mistake, even they're out of the fold of Islam. If a person were to make a mistake, they're no longer Muslim. If they commit a sin, they're no longer Muslim. So according to them, the Sahaba were no longer Muslim. They considered themselves to be extremely pious, extremely righteous. All right? And they considered the Sahaba to be apostates. So this is why they actually fought against the companions also. 
Right? But that's a different discussion. Now here we see that Abu Barza radiallahu anhu is praying with the lijam of his animal in his hand. First of all, he started his salah with the reins of his animal in his hand. So is this permissible? Yes, it is permissible. Because the reason why you don't want to let go of the reins is because then the animal would run off. And if it runs off, then you're in, in big trouble. Right? And then we see that as he's holding the reins, the animal is resisting, trying to pull away. Right? So instead of being tough on the animal and fighting the animal in his salah, what does he do? He follows the animal a little bit. So he's moving in his salah. He's almost walking. And this is the action of a companion, Abu Barza radiallahu anhu. So this shows that this kind of movement is permissible. But remember that continuous walking, that would break the prayer. But a step, and then another step, and then after a few minutes another step, is that okay? Yes, it is okay. Why? Because this physical movement is allowing you to focus in your prayer. One is the shughul of the jawarih, of the limbs. Okay? The occupation of the limbs, when the limbs get busy in some action. And the other is the shughul of the qalb. The occupation of the heart, when the heart gets busy in something. So in salah, you want your heart to be free. You want your mind to be free, so that you can focus. Correct? So here we see that Abu Barza chose to occupy his limbs rather than occupy his heart. Why? Because if he was strict in staying in one place, stiff, not moving at all, right? And as the animal is, you know, tugging and pulling, the animal runs away. What would happen? What would happen? Would he be able to focus on his prayer? No. And he might even have to break his prayer. Correct? So this is why he chose to move his body a little bit so that he could free his heart and he could focus in salah. So sometimes you have to do that. Like for example, you're praying and your baby is there and your baby is crying. So you pick up the baby and you pray and the baby starts pulling and getting bothered because he doesn't like to stay in one place. So then you put the baby down and then after a few minutes again, the baby is crying, you pick him up. So you are constantly picking up the baby, putting the baby down. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yes. You're just moving your arms. Never mind. At least you're able to focus in salah. Right? Our problem is that we have made physical movements so strict. We have become so strict about these movements, physical aspect, that we will stick to them even if it means we don't get to concentrate in salah. We've become so strict about the physical aspect of salah that we have neglected the spiritual aspect or the mental aspect. Completely neglected that. Our entire focus sometimes is on making sure that we are performing the movements in the perfect way possible. And yes, that should be a concern, but it should not be the ultimate concern in your salah. For example, the phones... Like when the phone is running, it's running continuously. Or if a azan is on the phone continuously, if you just moved and turn off the phone, 
everybody's praying will be concentrating uh, with the salah but we said oh why should i move and let the phones running running run jazakallah khair for bringing that up that's very important sometimes it happens and we think oh i, I cannot move my hand away from where it's supposed to be no you can you can you can even open up your bag take your phone out turn it off right you can do that and then go back to praying and this way you save your salah and alter the salah of many other people likewise you can move a little to the right a little to the left fill in the gap in the row that is in front of you these movements are permissible for the sake of protecting and perfecting your prayer so we see over here that abu barza radiyallahu anhu did not mind this kind of movement but of course there are among people those who are extremists and we see this kharijee man from the khawarij haruriya were from the khawarij and the reason why they were given this name khawarij is because kharaja is to leave right to go out so they were called khawarij because they left islam in their minds according to them they were perfect muslims but in reality they had nothing to do with islam According to them no one was muslim other than them other than themselves even the sahaba were not muslims for them hmm according to them the khawarij were the perfect muslims everybody else was not a muslim but in reality they themselves had left islam because of the extremes that they went to so we see over here that this man was such an extremist that he is forbidding what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has permitted that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed these kind of movements in salah for the purpose of protecting your prayer right but we see that this man the khariji did not tolerate it so he started making dua against Abu Barza radhiyallahu that oh Allah do such and such to this man in another uh, version of this hadith we learn that the khariji man said unzuru ila hadha shaykh تَرَكَ صَلَاتَهُ مِنْ أَجْلِ فَرَسٍ He said, look at this old man. He's leaving his prayer for the sake of his horse. He's compromising his salah for the sake of his horse. Is it? Was that what Abu Barza anhu was doing? Was he compromising his salah for the sake of the horse? No. He was making those permissible movements, moving a little bit. Why? In order to protect his prayer. and also to protect his property right so this is permissible but there are people who go to such an extreme who say that everything else is unimportant it doesn't have any worth the only thing that has any worth is the deen of allah yes it is true the deen of allah should always be our priority but where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has permitted us to do other things then why should we become strict in those matters and make life difficult for ourselves so we see over here that the khariji the extremist man look at his criticism of abu barza radhiyallahu anhu and abu barza radhiyallahu anhu said that i spent so much time with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam participated in so many battles and i witnessed his taisir the ease that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam created 
So this is the way of the Prophet ﷺ, creating ease for people. Creating ease does not mean that you water down the religion. No. Creating ease means that you don't need to tell people to do things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not told them to do. You don't need to make things harder for people in the name of piety and in the name of religiosity. So the Prophet ﷺ, he himself made taisir and he also commanded people to yassiru wala tu'assiru. To create ease and to not create difficulty. And then we see the action of Abu Barza radiallahu anhu where you know, he heard this criticism. Later, after his salah, he clarified his action to the people. Right? So this is also important. Sometimes people, uh, you know, they become judgmental or they pass their uh, comments right, based on ignorance. So you hurt them. Don't just be hurt and offended. Right? Go and talk to them and explain the matter to them. Because many times people say such things because of ignorance. So if they don't know, help them out, just like Abu Barza did. Next hadith, حدثنا محمد بن مقاتل أخبرنا عبد الله أخبرنا يونس عن الزهري عن عروة قال قالت عائشة عائشة رضي الله عنها narrated that خسفت الشمس the sun was eclipsed. There was an eclipse of the sun. فقام النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم so the Prophet ﷺ stood in prayer, فَقَرَأَ سُورَةً طَوِيلَةً And then he recited a long surah. ثُمَّ رَكَعَ Then he went in rukur, فَأَطَالَ And then he made his rukur very long. ثُمَّ رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ And then he lifted his head, meaning he got up from rukur, ثُمَّ اسْتَفْتَحَ بِسُورَةٍ أُخْرَى and then he began another surah, ثُمَّ رَكَعَ حَتَّى قَضَاهَا وَسَجَدَ And then he performed his rukur until he completed that unit of prayer and he had performed his sajda. So basically, he performed two rak'ah. ثُمَّ فَعْلَ ذَلِكَ فِي And in the second rak'ah also he did the same, where he performed long qiyam, long rukur, long sajda. And after the salah, ثُمَّ قَالَ إِنَّهُمَا آيَتَانِ مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ He said that indeed these two, meaning the sun and the moon, are signs from the signs of Allah. فَإِذَا رَأَيْتُمْ ذَلِكَ So when you witness this, when you see this, and he's referring to the eclipse, whether it is a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse, he said, when you see this, فَصَلُّوا Then you should pray. حَتَّى يُفْرَجَ عَنْكُمْ until it is removed from you. Meaning until the eclipse is over. So when you witness an eclipse, then stand in prayer. And pray until the eclipse is over. Alright? And then the Prophet ﷺ said, that لَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ فِي مَقَامِ هَذَا I saw in my maqam, maqam meaning where he was standing, so he's referring to his salah, that during my prayer, I saw kulla shay'in wu'ittuhu. Everything that I have been promised. Meaning he was shown matters of the unseen during the salah. And remember this was also a form of revelation. حَتَّى لَقَدْ رَأَيْتُنِي أُرِيدُ أَنْ أَخُذَ قِطْفًا مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ So much so that I saw something, alright, and I wanted to 
grab it. I wanted to take it. And what was this? A qitf from Jannah. A cluster of fruits from Jannah. Meaning he was shown Jannah and the blessings of Jannah and they appeared so real in front of him that he wanted to almost reach out and take one of the bunches of fruit. And he said, this is what I was doing. When you saw me moving forward in salah. Because in his salah, what happened is that he moved forward. Okay? And the people after salah, they asked him that why did you move forward? So the Prophet wasallam said that I was shown so many things. And part of what I was shown was also Jannah and the blessings of Jannah. And I almost came forward to grab what I could see of the fruits of Jannah. And I also saw Jahannam. Parts of it were eating other parts. This is what I saw when you saw me moving back. So we see that in his salah, he moved forward and then he also moved backwards. He took a few steps back. So this is the reason why he moved back because he saw hellfire. He said, and I saw in the fire Amr bin Luhay. And who is this man? وَهُوَ الَّذِي سَيَّبَ السَّوَائِبِ And he is the one who started the practice of سَوَائِب سَوَائِب is a plural of سَائِبَ In the Qur'an we learn about this حَام سَائِبَ Basically these were animals that were dedicated for the idols So it was Amr bin Luhay who began this practice Dedicating animals for the sake of idols so this is actually a shorter narration of this incident. In other hadith, we learned longer versions of this incident where we learned that once there was a solar eclipse, meaning the eclipse of the sun, and the Prophet ﷺ went to the masjid, the announcement was made, the Prophet ﷺ began leading the people in prayer, and he performed two units of salah. And in the salah, the qiyam was long, the rukur was long, the sajda was long, and in his salah, the Prophet ﷺ moved forward and he also moved backwards. So then later, after salah, the Prophet ﷺ explained to the people what an eclipse is, why they prayed, and why he moved. So he explained first of all what an eclipse is. He said both of them, meaning lunar or solar, the eclipse of the sun or the eclipse of the moon, both of them are from the signs of Allah. The Arabs had these beliefs about the eclipse. That it happens when, you know, a very important person dies or is born. Some, something like that. Right? They had some kind of beliefs regarding the eclipse. So the Prophet ﷺ clarified that no, the eclipse does not happen because of these reasons. These are just signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing us. Amazing signs that He is showing us. Secondly, he explained what should be done when we witness an eclipse. And what is that? What is that? Take pictures. Take selfies. Yeah? What should be done? Prayer. Hmm? 
I mean, of course, you witness the eclipse, you see this amazing ayah, alright? But then the sunnah is that you stand up in salah. No matter what time of day it is. Of course, a solar eclipse will happen during the day, right? So no matter what time of day it is, early morning, afternoon, later in the day, you stand up in salah. And we learn that even the adhan and iqamah can be made. And it is done. Even in the haram, Masjidul Haram sometimes, it happens. I remember somebody told me once they were in Makkah, and all of a sudden there was iqamah, and they wondered, what salah is this, what's happening? And they realized that it was an eclipse. And so the eclipse prayer was performed, and it's just two rak'ah with long qiyam, long rukur, long sujood. And the reason why it is long is that you want to stretch it out until the end of the eclipse. Why? Because if you've ever witnessed an eclipse, it's a very scary moment. The middle of the day, all of a sudden, it's dark. It is a reminder of the day of judgment. Because on the day of judgment, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the sun? إِذَا shamsu كُوِّرَتْ It will be wrapped up. Meaning its light will be taken away. It will become dark. So, just like that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us a small glimpse of that today. That look, the sun is there, but it's hidden. Its light has been blocked by the moon. Right? That's how an eclipse happens. And since its light has been blocked, you don't see it anymore. And as a result, there is darkness. Right? So in the middle of the day, it gets dark. So it's a reminder of the day of judgment. So take it as a warning. And this is why you stand up in prayer. You stand up in prayer and you draw close to Allah. You beg His forgiveness and you seek nearness towards Him. And then we see that thirdly, the Prophet ﷺ explained his movements during the salah. Why did he move forward and back? And this is the reason why this hadith is being mentioned over here. The fact that he moved forward and he moved back. Because he was shown Jannah and he was shown the fire. And in another version of the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ ordered the people to seek refuge against the punishment of the grave. So that is also from the sunnah. That after the eclipse prayer, you seek refuge with Allah against the punishment of the grave. Because it's all dark, right, when there's an eclipse. And in the grave is also darkness. Next, باب ما يجوز من البصاق والنفخ في الصلاة What is permissible of busaq and nafkh in prayer? What is busaq to spit? And what is nafkh to blow? So spitting from the mouth or blowing the nose, is that permissible during salah? Because that is also a movement. Sometimes you have to use your hand. Sometimes you have to take something from your pocket, you know, like a tissue or something. Right? And it's necessary at this time, you have to blow your nose, you have to cough out the phlegm. So is this permissible? وَيُذْكَرُوا عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ عَمْرٍ And it has been reported from Abdullah bin Amr, that نَفَخَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي سُجُودِهِ فِي كُسُوف That the Prophet ﷺ blew, meaning his nose, aimed during his sajda while he was praying. Alright? And which salah was this? It was the kusuf salah, meaning the eclipse prayer. So this has been reported. The Prophet ﷺ blew his nose during salah. Right? 
Where is this hadith mentioned? It is reported in Musnad Ahmad, where we learned that the Prophet ﷺ stood up to pray during a solar eclipse. And when he was doing sajda, he was crying. And as he was crying, he also had to blow his nose. So he did that. And this was in the second rak'ah. Now Imam Bukhari mentions the hadith. حدثنا سليمان بن حرب حدثنا حماد عن أيوب عن نافع عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رأى نخامة في قبلة المسجد. He said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم saw نخامة. What is نخامة? Flem. He saw it in the qibla of the masjid, meaning in the qibla wall of the masjid, meaning the wall that was in the qibla. The wall that everyone faced when they prayed in the masjid. Okay? So the Prophet ﷺ saw phlegm on the wall. So think about the wall that is in front of the imam. Okay? So like this wall. So he saw it on the wall. فَتَغَيَّضَ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِ الْمَسْجِدِ So he became upset with the people of the masjid. He became upset at them. The why did you do this? Whoever did this, why did this happen? وَقَالَ And he said, that إِنَّ اللَّهَ قِبَلَ أَحَدِكُمْ That indeed Allah is before you. When you're praying, who are you facing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is before you. فَإِذَا كَانَ فِي صَلَاتِهِ So when, when one of you is in his prayer, فَلَا يَبْزُقَنَّ أو قال لا يتنخمن. He said that when one of you is praying, he should not spit or cough out, meaning whatever phlegm there is, do not spit it out and do not cough it out in front of you. Why? Because who is before you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's extremely rude to spit in someone's direction, to cough in their direction. And this is like, you know, that a person coughs and there's a bunch of phlegm in their mouth and they just go, too. Imagine. This is extremely rude. So you don't do that when you're facing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Prophet ﷺ, ثُمَّ نَزَلَ فَحَتَّهَا بِيَدِهِ He went and he removed it with his hand. وَقَالَ ابْنُ عُمَرَ And Ibn Umar رضي الله عنهما, He said, إِذَا بَزَقَ أَحَدُكُمْ So when one of you has to spit, فَلْيَبْزُقْ عَلَى يَسَارِهِ Then he should do it on his left side. Meaning if during salah, you must spit. Like you coughed and now there's phlegm in your mouth. You cannot swallow it. You should not swallow it. So what should you do now? Spit in front of you? No. He said if you must do that, do it on your left side. Why left side? Because on the right side is an angel. Alright? And left side, this does not mean that just go through, you know, so just spit like that. No, what is meant from other ahadith we learn is that spit on the ground under your left foot so that you don't harm anybody, okay? You don't annoy anybody, and at the same time it's out. Now this is in a situation where you don't have a tissue. Alright? And you don't have any other option. And of course, remember that at the time, the masjid was not carpeted. 
Okay? So don't say that, well, you know, this is the teaching that we have been given. Spit to your left side, under your foot. So the new fancy carpet, you just do it there. No, that's not cool. Right? Realize that the ground at that time was much different. It was pebbles. It was all pebbles. So there, if, if something like that came, it was no harm, no problem at all. And people had their shoes on also. Right? They had their sandals on. So again, it was not a problem. But you have to pay attention to these details in your situation. Also we see that the Prophet ﷺ got up himself and removed the phlegm. And this shows that it is sunnah to remove filth from the masjid. It is sunnah to do that yourself even. Even though people have been appointed or they have been hired to do this job. But if you notice something and if you choose to remove it, you will get the reward of cleaning the masjid and also of following the sunnah. Double reward. Because remember that at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there were people who would clean the masjid. Isn't it? Remember the woman who would clean the masjid? And she died and the people buried her and they did not tell the Prophet ﷺ that she had died? And he inquired about her and when he found out, he went and prayed for her. Right? So there was a woman who would clean the masjid. So even though people would clean the masjid, the Prophet ﷺ did not wait for the cleaners to come. You understand? He did not wait for the cleaners to come. He saw something dirty, he fixed it. You know, for example, if it's your house, some people live in their house as if they were guests. Right? Or as if the house did not belong to them. They sit somewhere, they leave their dishes, they leave the food, they leave everything. I don't understand why. Really. I mean, this is, this is basic, you know, etiquette. That you clean up after yourself. Right? So, but you as a woman or as a mother or as a wife or as someone who looks after the house, what do you do? If somebody left their glass on a table, what do you do? Leave it. Somebody else will. Next week the cleaning lady will come and she will remove it. Is that what you do? What do you do? What do you do? You pick it up, right? You don't wait for other people to come and do it. You realize that the house is yours and you have to maintain it. And you take pride in doing it. And you know what? You don't get paid for it, right? But a masjid, when you clean it, why would you clean it? Because you take ownership of it. This is Allah's house. I use it. Other people use it. This is a place where people come to worship Allah. So I have to look after it. And if I see something dirty, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to come and fix it. I'm going to go and fix it myself. This is the sunnah of the Prophet حدثنا محمد حدثنا غندر حدثنا شعبة قال سمعت قتادة عن أنس رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that إذا كان في الصلاة فإنه يناجي ربه That when one of you is in prayer then indeed he is whispering to his Lord He is talking to his Lord فلا يبزقن بين يديه ولا عن يمينه So he should not spit in front of him or to his right side. He should not do that. وَلَكِنْ عَنْ شِمَالِهِ تَحْتَ قَدَمِهِ الْيُسْرَى But he should spit on his left side, under his left foot. And this is in a situation where you don't have anything else to, to spit in. 
So from these ahadith we learn that it is permissible to spit or to blow your nose during salah. But of course you have to be careful about how you're doing it, where you're doing it. But the movement of spitting or blowing your nose, this movement is permissible. Why? Because once you clear your throat, once you clear your nose, can you focus better in your salah? Yes. And if you keep sniffling, oh my God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to disturb everybody. Isn't it? If you keep coughing and keep sniffling, you're going to disturb everybody. So get it out. And if you know that, let's say the imam is going to recite, you know, Surah Al-Waqi'ah now, for example. Right? Or you are just in that mood where you just keep crying. You know, you're feeling extremely sensitive and very emotional. So keep some tissue, you know, in your sleeve. Keep it. Bunch it up. Keep it in your sleeve. And then when you need it, take it out, clean your nose, okay? And put it back in. Alright? But, you know, help yourself focus in salah and help other people also focus in salah. Inshallah, we'll conclude over here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.